0: bringing to life the souls of the past that until now have been lost to history. Talking Heart Island is a half-hour weekly podcast that explores the history of Heart Island, America's largest mass graveyard. Heart Island has been used as New York City's potter's field since 1869. It is estimated there are over one million people buried there. Because of recent advances in DNA and fingerprint technology, the identities of some of these previously forgotten and anonymous people have been revealed. The results are truly shocking. Talking Heart Island will interview a special guest each week, selected from an extraordinary assembly of scholars, authors, and scientists in the fields of history, law, medicine, and the arts, as we unravel A secret kept hidden for 150 years. So welcome to Talking Heart Island. And now, here's our host, investigative history writer, Michael T. Keene.
1: Thank you very much, Norma Jean. And this is Michael Keene and we are Talking Heart Island. Today's episode is brought to us by the Cheshire Union Gift Shop, which is a renovated farmhouse filled with antiques and handmade gifts located in Cheshire, New York, right outside of Canandaigua, and the Greece, New York Historical Society and Museum. Discover, research, and preserve. Uh, One more quick thing before we begin. We've been asked how. Uh, Can you listen to previous episodes of the Talking Heart Island podcast, and you may do so by simply logging on to our website, michaeltkeen.com. What would become the largest Atlantic storm on record, swirled up violently from the Caribbean, creating a devastating oceanic force that at its zenith reached 900 miles across and 1,000 miles long. This hurricane, or superstorm, as it was later characterized, was about to lay waste to the most populated corridor in the United States. The name of the storm was Sandy. Sandy set her sights on the most populated area on the continent, the island of Manhattan. The storm caused billions of dollars in damage, destroying property, eroding shorelines, in some cases destroying 50% of beach sand on barrier islands, dumping 10 million gallons of sewage into the water and killing 25 people. Hurricane Sandy revealed deep flaws in one of the world's greatest metropolises. And most shocking of all, it would reveal a secret kept hidden for over 150 years. And to help us understand this storm, I can think of no better expert than Dr. David A. Robinson, distinguished professor at Rutgers University, the New Jersey climatologist. Dr. Robinson's primary research interests include climate and regional climate change issues. Dr. Robinson's academic interests in the classroom include teaching courses such as Earth System and the global climate system. And Dr. Robinson, good morning, and welcome to Talking Heart Island. How are you? Good
2: morning. I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
1: How's the weather where you are? It's lovely here on
2: a late uh, July day with the humidity low and the sun shining brightly. Uh, A little bit different than a lot of the storminess we've had of late and the heat and humidity we've had of late. So I'll take this weather any day.
1: Okay, great. You know, I I had this uh, uh, vision that you were about maybe six, seven years old and you were uh, in your bedroom and your parents came in and asked you what you wanted to do when you grew up. And you said you wanted to become the uh, uh, chief uh, or the New Jersey climate changeologist. How did that begin? How did you end up in the field that you're the expert in?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, because I've often said if I knew of this position when I was growing up, it was what I would have wanted to be since I I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I had a love of weather and climate since I was a little kid. Um, And uh, when I went off to college, I majored in geology, but was really doing earth system science at a time when it was yet to be called that. Um, And then went on, got a Ph.D. at Columbia University's Lamont-Darty Earth Observatory, um, which, again, talks about... Earth System Science and got to Rutgers uh, a little over uh, 30 years ago. And several years after coming here, I was appointed state climatologist when my predecessor uh, retired. I am a professor first and foremost, but I have now sat as state climatologist for almost 28
1: years. And uh, so you uh, developed this interest as you were growing up. I mean, what what sort of things would you have been interested in or doing when you were growing up that Maybe the rest of us might have been doing something else.
2: You know I, I you know I don't really know. The first week of kindergarten was Hurricane Donna back in 1960. and I remember it well, we had a very snowy winter that year. Um, no one in my family had this interest, but you talk to many a uh, climatologists and meteorologists, and they'll tell you their, their love for this goes back to childhood. I, 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 I just don't know how to explain it except the wonderment, I suppose of seeing these different weather phenomena out there just captivated me.
1: What what is You just mentioned meteorologists. What's the difference between a meteorologist and a climatologist?
2: Meteorologist is more involved with the day-to-day weather, the forecasting and understanding of what's going on today and perhaps for the next week or two. Uh, Climatologists lay domain over what's happened in the past and and we look ahead, uh, seasons um, and decades into the future. It's all part of one system that's driven by solar energy that interacts with the atmosphere, the Earth's land surface, the Earth's oceans, and and creates this dynamic environment in which we are ensconced. Um, But again, the climatologist looks back and forward, and the meteorologist can take the blame for what's going on right now.
1: So, is that the difference? And I've heard this debated the difference between uh, the weather. And
2: climate? Yeah, people would say uh, climate is what you expect and weather is what you get. Of course, in this world of changing climate, those expectations of climate are changing. The climate I grew up in 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 New Jersey uh, 50 plus years ago uh, is different than the climate that my children experienced and now my grandchildren will be experiencing now and through the remainder of this Century. But on a day to day basis, we, we have our weather. Um, Paris hit 109 degrees this wow. afternoon, and that broke their all time record for any day of any year going back decades and decades. It broke it by two degrees. That's, that's shattering a record in some respects. Um, we're seeing these heat waves um, be more extreme, we're seeing them being more extensive both in space and time. It is a different world we see today uh, than we saw just decades ago.
1: So the heat wave that's taking place in Europe, uh, is, I mean, are we having a heat wave here in, in the United States and, and other parts of the, of the globe? Or would you expect that the climate would be different depending on well, where you are in the world?
2: Exactly. Um, there, there is just more heat out there. Uh, The Arctic continues to be very, very warm, and there have been other areas scattered over the globe with excessive heat, but it's not everywhere every day that you get something of an extreme nature. Um, This is Europe, Western Europe's second major heat wave of the year. Um, There are not too many places that have taken it on the chin twice this year to the extreme that Western Europe has, Um, but we look up into the Arctic, it was a very warm. Winter, it's been a very warm spring and early summer, um, with some records getting shattered. Anchorage, Alaska, uh, hit 90 degrees on the 4th of July. Uh, They had never, in recorded history, been warmer than 85 degrees before. Um, So again, there there have been some real notable extremes around the globe just in recent weeks and months.
1: Right. You know, we're about to uh, talk about Sandy. Uh, But this is uh, the hurricane season, I guess, as it's referred to, correct? Yes, it is. Uh, Has has it been a a more severe hurricane season thus far as as opposed to in the past?
2: No, it is not. We've only had in the Atlantic Basin two named storms uh, thus far, which is about average for this time of the year, maybe even a little above. The season really gets cranking as we get into August. It peaks first, second week of September. And then it begins to slow down as we go through uh, late summer and early fall. Of course, Sandy coming uh, at the end of October was really at the tail end of the hurricane season. And and thus it interacted with a weather system that's more common as you start going into the winter. So you started mixing a, a summertime event with a wintertime event. And that's what made it the superstorm you mentioned earlier.
1: Right. In fact, you and I spoke a couple of, two, three weeks ago, and I asked you, what, what's the difference between a superstorm and a hurricane? And, and I think people would be very interested in, in, in your answer.
2: Yeah. I mean, a superstorm is not an official name for anything. Um, what this was, was a, a dying hurricane that was coming up the East Coast. Um, and it was uh, starting to interact with the jet stream winds of the middle latitudes. Um, and with that, a storm was spawning along that jet stream, which in the, in the winter we might call a nor'easter, for instance. So the two joined forces as the storm came up the east coast. And then it took a strange left turn as it came up the coast because there was what we call a high-pressure ridge or a high-pressure system blocking its normal exit out into the North Atlantic. So that steered it towards the coast, and this developing winter storm kind of amalgamated itself with this dying hurricane. And upon landfall, uh, the observations suggest there was what we call a warm core hurricane. Um, the structure of a hurricane being surrounded by this developing nor'easter, if you will. So it was it was this hybrid storm um, that got named Sandy. Uh, excuse me, it didn't get named Sandy, got named uh, a superstorm storm uh, because it had the agre- ingredients of a tropical storm and, and a nor'easter. Um, so not the first time um, we've seen this happen, but the first time of anything this size, And taking this unusual path,
1: right? The um, when did Sandy literally come onto your radar screen? I'm envisioning that there's a set of computers and monitors, and uh, you know you're walking by, and oh, wait a minute, there's something happening here. That uh, well, I guess it started out as a, a garden variety hurricane, but then it obviously became transformed. At at what point did that become evident?
2: Yeah, uh, about a week before um, this storm, Sandy, developed in the Western Caribbean, which is very typical for where late season tropical systems, be it a tropical storm or hurricane will form. Um, And and then maybe about five, six days before um, Sandy made landfall in in New Jersey, um, the models were suggesting the weather forecast models were beginning to suggest it was going to come up the coast. And, and there was a model by the European group that actually first picked up that it might make this very unusual westward or left turn as it got here into the mid-Atlantic states. A day or so later, the, the U.S. models picked up on it, too. So by the Thursday before the Monday storm, before Sandy on Monday, the Thursday before, people were coming keenly aware that there was going to be quite an event along the East Coast. Early next week, meaning that that Monday, uh, it became at that point. Of course, we didn't know exactly where landfall would be made and exactly how strong the storm would be. Um, but our guard was up at least five to seven days before the storm eventually made landfall.
1: Was it uh, the wind speed? Uh, what, what part do you look at uh, to get a sense of just how powerful a storm? could be. I mean, obviously, if it goes down into the ocean, I guess in a way we don't have to worry about it, but if that doesn't appear to be the case, what, what certain parameters or characteristics do you look at? That's
2: a great question. It's really three things. Uh, one would be the the wind speeds associated with it, but a, a, a tropical storm or hurricane is far more than just wind speeds. Associated with that would be the storm surge. Um, the storm surge kills more people Uh, than winds in this and that's when the ocean waters are just pushed up against the coast on and over the coast and then the third uh, characteristics would be the rainfall um, coming the precipitation coming from the storm which is often the worst case inland where you have freshwater flooding of rivers so it's it's really that triple punch of wind uh, ocean storm surge and the potential of heavy rain and inland freshwater flooding.
1: Right. The um, Although our focus here today is the impact Sandy had on New York City and uh, also on the, the barrier islands of which Hart Island is one of, but right. uh, it was my uh, understanding that it hit New Jersey particularly hard, didn't it? Yeah, New Jersey really took
2: it on the chin. It was truly a transformative event for the state, Um, Not just from a meteorologic sense or um, a coastal barrier island sense, but really for the psyche of the state, which so much looks towards towards the shore. Um, So yeah, it it was a devastating storm uh, for New Jersey. And and certainly uh, the New York metropolitan area of Connecticut and and, and New York City and nearby environments certainly... Was greatly impacted as well, but no doubt uh, one of the most dynamic and and damaging and deadly storms on record uh, in the state of New Jersey.
1: Well, you had those. uh, I maybe you can call them iconic uh, 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 films of Governor Christie walking the beaches with uh, President Barack Obama, which I think he received some heat for. But anyway, there there was kind of like almost the politics of hurricanes, um, which my reading of of history says that that's happened more than once. Are you like somebody who's really into other hurricanes or other storms? I mean, this is something that you enjoy researching.
2: Sure. Uh, Other storms interest me. My my particular research interests are in global snow cover. So Mm. I'm more of a polar scientist in terms of my research. So I'm just fascinated and involved with research going on in the Arctic when it comes to sea ice uh, glacial ice and snow cover. Uh, but when it comes to looking at the mid-Atlantic and New Jersey in particular, I'll take all comers, uh, any storm, any time of the year, heat waves, uh, <laughs> drought, droughts terrify me, frankly, because they affect every one of us for sometimes months on end. Um, so uh, I'm not saying I enjoy <laughs> all right. of it, um, but I'm I'm certainly keenly interested and aware of it.
1: Well, your, your travels have taken you to, is it the North Pole? I've never
2: gone that far north. I've, okay. I've been, in, been in Alaska, and I do a lot with satellite imagery mm-hmm. of polar regions.
1: Right. So and that's how you calculate, again, uh, Arctic sea ice. What, what would it be, the actual thickness or, or lack thereof that would give right. us it's concern? The
2: com- yeah, it's the extent of sea ice, or conversely, the extent of open water in the Arctic, and it is also the age or thickness of the ice as well. Um, My particular interests are in the uh, coverage of snow, um, which over northern hemisphere lands can be as much as approaching 50 million square kilometers in the middle of winter. And in the summer, it's mostly just on top of some glaciers and the Greenland ice sheet, a few million square kilometers. So it's an incredibly... Um, important variable affecting the climate system. And we're seeing, for instance, snow melting out earlier in the spring in recent decades uh, than earlier in the satellite era of the late 20th century and even beyond that.
1: So studying or looking at uh, melting snow, what about uh, new snowfall? I mean, has that changed over the years? We're getting less snow or is it just that it's melting sooner.
2: Yeah, it, it's more a matter of it melting sooner. We've actually done some research that suggests in the southern states of the US, we may be starting to see less snowfall. But up along the Canadian border and even into Canada, uh, we're seeing some more snow um, in the dead of winter. And that's simply because there's more moisture being fed in somewhat warmer air into these regions, but the air is still cold enough for it to snow. Right. Um, So with the more abundant moisture, yet still sub-freezing temperatures, we're seeing more snow. Now, ultimately, as the temperatures rise, uh, you're going to start losing uh, that connection. There's that almighty freezing point that is just so important when it comes to studying icy issues.
1: Right. Um, Getting back to uh, uh, Superstorm Sandy and its impact, well, in, in the Jer- New Jersey area but certainly in Manhattan uh the issue of eroding shorelines wh- which actually leads us to the discovery on hard Island in, in a roundabout way mm-hmm. but wh- what what mm-hmm. happened as that storm came through when they talk about eroding shoreline wh- right what just actually it it uh dissolved certain beaches or the sand on the beaches
2: Well, you had such dynamic, uh, you had a nine-foot rise of sea level, nine feet higher than a normal high tide, and it just so happened it came in at high tide. Mm. And on top of that, you had wave action from the winds creating the waves. So this acted as a a battering ram, and, and it just pushed sands up over the shore into communities and bays behind the the sandy beaches and some of it was pulled back out to sea and deposited offshore. So it just pulverized uh, the coastline, uh, the sands, not just the buildings and boardwalks associated with it. the the, uh, the water is one powerful medium, and when you've got tremendous depth of water and you have those waves pounding on top of it, um, it can do a lot of work quickly. I mean, just think of a sandcastle you build on the beach. And how many waves as the tide comes in, it takes to destroy that sandcastle. And you can see how vulnerable the sandy beaches are.
1: Right. Um, Before the discovery of Heart Island and that it was a uh, well, it was the largest uh, mass graveyard in uh, in America. Had you been aware of it before or did you learn about it kind of when we all learned about it, when there were some articles printed in The New York Times?
2: Uh, the latter, I, I was unaware of it and stunned um, by what I read and what I heard.
1: Right, um, because apparently, what had happened, and I guess it wasn't just Hurricane Sandy, but other storms through the years had eroded the mm-hmm. uh, beach area, and uh, well, perhaps as you now know, and I, I think a lot of our listeners know that uh, when they bury people on Hard Island, they don't embalm them, and and the point is that. Uh, it takes about 30 years for a body to completely decompose uh, if it's not embalmed, which means they can reuse uh, the trenches that are used to bury people in, in, uh, ma- in these mass graveyards. Um, so that was one of the, uh, well, that was the reason that uh, made Sandy so important uh, because of the secret that it uh, had helped us to uncover. Um, oh,
2: Absolutely. And, and and before going on, you did mention that it was other storms and not just Sandy. Sandy right. maybe in the draw, if you will. But that can be partially associated with the fact that sea level has risen in the metropolitan area about a foot in the last century. So that allowed some of that erosive action to take place more vigorously than, say, if it had been 50 or 100 years ago. What, what
1: caused that, the sea levels to rise?
2: Uh, it, it's really, it's predominantly due to the fact the seas are warming. And as we know, when things warm, they expand. Um, so you get the seas expanding a little as they warm. There is some melting of ice sheets and glaciers. Uh, and then there's still some geologic processes underway uh, post-last glacial period 20,000 years ago that affects the land uh, elevation a little bit more so towards the southern part of New Jersey uh, than up by um, New York City. So it's a combination of things um, and, and something that is expected to start increasing at a faster pace as we go through the remainder of this century. So I guess you could say that if Sandy hadn't come along, we might have just had to wait a, a, quite a while longer for just normal sea levels to rise to expose more uh, of the secrets of Hard island
1: oh got it it's uh it's amazing you know you're involved in a really a pretty interesting endeavor um well let me ask you this anything literally on your radar screen now that maybe we should be uh, paying attention to
2: well i here we are in the middle of summer and we see yet another warm summer in the new york metropolitan area uh, and globally uh, June was the warmest month globally on record, with records back to 1880. Uh, and July's taken off where June left off. Um, here in in New Jersey, um, this is likely to be one of the ten warmest summers on record. And already, eleven of the fifteen warmest summers going back to 1895 have occurred here in the 21st century. So it's become commonplace to have a very warm summer. Um, So that certainly hit my radar scope uh, and and stayed there uh, prominently. Um, And then we do see um, things with these severe storms. It appears that the extremes are becoming more extreme. Uh, Some of the -the run-of-the-mill storms may not be changing that much, but when all the ducks align, we've got more warmth in the atmosphere, thus more energy, and with the increased warmth, of the oceans and the atmosphere, it's easier to get moisture up into the atmosphere. So when a trigger comes along, like we saw with Sandy, the hurricane merging with this extra tropical type of storm, nor'easter, um, you can undergo all sorts of powerful explosive action. Um, same goes with hurricanes just by themselves. There's the, the raining thought right now is we might not have More hurricanes in a warmer world. Um, They might not get stronger, but they may explode faster. And we saw an example of such last year with Hurricane Michael in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, I'm not saying it exploded simply because the climate's changing, but the the modeling of this is suggesting uh, that we might have more explosive storms in the future. Um, We're primed. We're primed. We just need that trigger. And, uh, and all sorts of problems can break loose.
1: So literally Hurricane Sandy isn't necessarily a one and done. We, we might expect uh, storms of the future similarly in, in, along the east coast of the United States.
2: Yes. And, and what particularly concerns me there is the, this confluence of the tropical season and the early winter season. Um, Sandy wouldn't have been as strong when uh, it came up the coast if the sea surface temperatures along the East Coast had not been above average. We had had two straight years of above average temperatures here in the Mid-Atlantic. So it allowed Sandy to stay stronger longer as it made its way up the East Coast. And then being so late in the season, it ran into this developing early winter type of storm. You have to realize in Sandy, a couple of feet of snow fell in the mountains of West Virginia.
1: So Sandy actually had snow associated with it. Amazing. And of course, and perhaps most shocking of all, it, it, it did reveal a secret uh, kept hidden yeah. for over 150 years. Uh, Dr. David Robinson, I want to thank you very much uh, for giving us your time and expertise. Uh, this is fascinating stuff and because it it had so literally a connection to hart island uh you know in its own way it's why we wanted to explore it so again uh thank you very much
2: my pleasure it's it's been really interesting to see the confluence of our natural world and our built world uh, uh, if you will
0: hi this is norma jean i wanted to take a moment to remind you In order to receive updates or news about upcoming episodes of Talking Heart Island, simply go to the subscribe page on our website, located at www.michaeltkeen.com, and enter your email address. If you have any questions about the podcast itself or simply wish to contact any team members for book inquiries, voiceovers, website or graphics design, Use our contact page, also found at www.michaeltkeen.com. And if you're enjoying the show and would like to give us a review, please do so at iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. So until next week, this is Norma Jean, and we're Talking Heart Island.